You are listening to the Choose Your Struggle Podcast, a member of the Shameless Podcast Network. Welcome to the Choose Your Struggle Podcast with me, your host, Jay Schiffman. On this show, we seek to end stigma and promote honest and fact-based education around mental health, substance misuse and recovery, and drug use and policy, but occasionally we talk about other topics as well. On today's episode, we actually have a special episode for you all. It's me, your host, telling a story on one of my virtual storytelling events, A Day in the Life. This story was tough to tell and might even be harder to hear, but first, before we get into it, Kid Mental, take it away. Things ain't always gonna go our way, but you can always win when you choose your struggle. And some battles will be yesterday, but today is for a new beginning. Choose your struggle, and don't worry about what they say, but you can always win when you choose your struggle. And you can bounce back, just as Jay. Come on in, listen in to choose your struggle. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I missed you all. I missed doing this. I missed hearing from you. I don't know if it was because you all knew I was at the conference, but only one person reached out this week. Thank you. You know who you are, who you are. You're still that person. Uh, <laughs> but um, definitely keep it coming. And actually, good. that is a segue I did not mean to do, but I'm happy that I did it. There is a new service that I, I got, I signed up for because of this conference called Pod Inbox. I know it's a little bit of a weird name, but what's so great about this service is that this is something that Anchor used to provide that a couple of you took advantage of that uh, Transistor does not. And that is that you can record an audio message for me uh, through this platform. It presents it in a way that if it's meant for me just to hear, great. If it's meant for me to then play it on the show, I can do that seamlessly. Uh, so the, the website to do this is in the show notes, but just to hear it in case you're interested in doing this, uh, it's podinbox, P-O-D-I-N-B-O-X dot com slash C-Y-S, as with anything else, C-Y-S, podinbox.com slash C-Y-S. So if you've ever thought, and, and by the way, again, you know who you are. Someone asked me recently if they wanted to leave feedback uh, specifically meant for the show. Um, I can't guarantee, obviously, that, that if you send something, it'll make it on. I can say uh, chances are good. Um, or if you just don't want to have to email me, people always reach out and say, you know, is your website really the best way to, to share feedback? Sometimes, if, if that's how you want to do it, if not, um, use this service and record something for me. Uh, I'll hear it, and, and you know, if you are meaning it for other people to hear it too, I may play it on the show. So uh, check that out. Again, that's podinbox.com slash CYS. Now, <laughs> let's address the elephant in the room. Uh, you heard a bit of a different intro this week. That is going to be permanent. I know it was a little clunky this week. I didn't get the timing exactly right. Um but real quick, I'm going to talk about the conference a lot more next Monday. It's a special episode featuring uh, three incredible people, two of whom you know very well, who I, I recorded this at the conference, so that'll be fun, and I'll talk way more about that on Monday. But uh, 
very briefly, I was selected to have my show critiqued um, by a couple of really big names in the industry, one of whom uh, apparently is a big name out of the industry, Bobby Bones. If some of you are Dancing with the Stars fans and everything else, he's been on a lot of things. I didn't know who he was. Uh, all of my friends were psyched that I got to, to, to be critiqued by him. Um, but they, they played the first 30 seconds of my show in front of like the entire conference. And the the feedback was that the, the theme song is fire. Um, that was literally one of the person's reviews. Like, this is the best theme song I've ever heard on a podcast. Uh, so <laughs> Kid Mental, shout out to Kid Mental. And I agree, by the way. I listen to a lot of shows. I don't hear many as good as this. Um, they did say, however, because your cover art and the name do not suggest what the show is, uh, it's hard for discoverability. Now, I completely agree with them. Uh, I never really thought of that. I have no plans to change the name of the cover art. I love both of them dearly. However, doing a different intro where I say what the show is about is a good idea. So you're going to hear more of that. I'm going to get the timing better. Um, but but otherwise, you know, that's a, a, a new thing where instead of just saying the, what this, this episode, who it is, uh, saying uh, what the show is about will be a permanent part of the intro going forward. Now, I am going to keep this one a little bit briefer. Like I said, I'll talk all about the conference on Monday. Uh, today's episode, as the title suggests, is a special one. Now, I did a day in the life, and a couple people tuned in. I, I think there was like 40 people. Thank you to those people. It was somewhere around that. I don't remember. I could look it up. I don't care. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I told a story that I called the Wendy story. Um, I call it that because... The person who um, I talk about is still alive, and I've never asked for, nor have I been given permission to use her real name. So I gave her the name Wendy when I wrote about this story a couple years ago, and since then I've called it the Wendy story. Uh, so it's a it's a really hard story to tell. There aren't many that I really struggle to tell. Um, this is one of them. Uh, it's also a hard story to hear. Um, it, it, for for those of you. Uh, who are uh, would like a trigger when we talk about certain things. Um, this one is about me stopping somebody that I cared about deeply at the time uh, from from committing suicide. So it is a very difficult story to hear. Um, the what you're hearing today is the audio only. Uh, replay of the day in the life. I cut off about the first six or seven minutes, which is all the intro stuff. Y'all know that, you know, those are that intro stuff is for people who are tuning in for the first time and are just watching a day in the life or rock bottom, whatever. Y'all know that stuff. You don't need I don't need to play it for you. Uh, so so it kind of jumps right into it. That's there wasn't a, a long lead. And, you know, you all know me enough, you know, my style enough, you don't need that. Um, this is one where I do want to hear from you very much. I chose to play this as a regular Friday episode instead of a Monday episode because I think it's important. I think it really shows how important it is uh, to reach out to the people in your life that you love and let them know that you're there for them. Ask them how they are. Be there for them. It's super important. Uh, I think this story conveys that incredibly well. Uh, this episode is dedicated to two people. I am going to try to get through this without crying. I cannot say her name without tearing up. Uh, Robin, this is in the memory of my dear, dear friend Robin. Uh, I mention her on this and I start bawling when I do. It's towards the end of the episode. Um, I, I owe her so much. I am constantly uh, just gutted that she's no longer with us and I cannot continue to tell her how much she means to me. 
Um, so, so this is dedicated to the memory of Robin. Um, and, uh, the other one is Robin Williams. Uh, he, he pops up in the story and, um, obviously y'all know I am a giant Robin Williams fan, a shrine in my office, a tattoo on my arm. Uh, so this is also dedicated to the memory of Robin Williams, Robin Williams and Robin Faye Weinstein, the two Robins uh, in my life. Um, thank you to both of them. Now, without further ado, <laughs> hold on to your hats and enjoy the Wendy story. A quick shout out to my Patreon supporters. I am so grateful for your support and your love. Y'all have been with me since almost the beginning, and so much of this podcast could not be done without you. Almost to a person, they've all told me that they didn't join for the perks, although there are some pretty fantastic perks, but they've all joined just to support the show, and it really means so much to me. Now, if you join, you are going to get some stuff in return. You'll get sneak peeks, extra content, and the chance to interact with me on a second level. It's really a great way to show support if you love this show. So go ahead and check it out today. Go to patreon.com slash choose your struggle. The lowest tier is only $3.40 a month. And there's multiple tiers after that. There's something for everybody. So truly, I truly mean this. Thank you to all of my Patreon supporters. And if you've been waiting to sign up, well, now's a great time. So head on over to Patreon and show a little bit of love. Choose your struggle. Thanks for sharing the podcast with your friends. If you're listening on Apple, please rate and review or check out the review link in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I was I was pretty sure of what story I was going to tell. And I'm, I'm making dinner uh, for my wife and I about, oh man, literally an hour and a half ago. And it hits me that the story I was going to tell was my rock bottom story. Now, I wasn't intentionally telling my rock bottom story. That wasn't the goal. But there's a funny part of it, and that was going to be the story I told. And so then I was like, okay, I can't tell that because at some point, I'm going to want to tell my rock bottom story. Like, that's the other big event I do. I'm going to want to participate. So I went, okay, what am I going to do? And, and my brain's flashing through all the different stories. By the way, shout out to New Riff. Good, good whiskey. So my brain's flashing through all the stories. And I decided, okay, what if I told what I'm going to call the Wendy story? And of course, then my inner monologue went, oh, you, you can't. You can't tell the Wendy story. And I said, why? And uh, <laughs> I actually, this was not literally me talking to myself, but it was me kind of digging through this processing. And the response that I got from myself was because it's too real. <laughs> and then I thought, this is my fucking platform. I can tell whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> so I'm going to tell the Wendy story. Uh, I've never told this story. This is going to be a new one. So again, sort of the open mic-ness of this, of this event. I, I wasn't sure I was going to tell it. I, I, I was still debating until I got to this. The, the lights came on, and I hadn't thought of a different one. So that was my brain going, tell the fucking Wendy story. So there's only a couple people who really know this story. Uh, multiple therapists. 
And uh, ML Lanzalotta, if you watched uh, the last Rock Bottom Storytellers, he was incredible. And he and I were working on a, prog- a project together, and I told him the story for that project. He would be shocked that I'm telling the Wendy story. <laughs> so the Wendy story actually starts um, – well, it takes place at, at Austin Ricks. And, and for those who know my story – uh, you know that a part of that was spending three months in a lockdown unit, or I'm sorry, in a long-term care facility, uh, what we would have called a, a a mental institution 50 years ago. And that long-term care facility was in the Berkshires. It was in uh, Stockbridge, Massachusetts, and it was called Austin Riggs. Austin Riggs was a awful, <laughs> just a terrible place. Uh, I've described it multiple times as like, when you walk in, like you can feel the death. <laughs> uh, this place has been, been around for over a hundred years or something like that. Um, it's been the home to famous people in, in not famous people, you know, uh, very famously, James Taylor wrote multiple songs about his time at Austin Riggs. And I actually spent, uh, a couple of months living in his old room. It's sort of one of those um, knowledges that's passed down by people who stay there, which room is James Taylor's and uh, various other people. And, and I stayed in his for a while. Um, by the way, because of that, whenever I hear the second verse of Rockabye Sweet Baby James, I still tear up a little bit because he wrote that part while leaving this this area. But it, it was a pretty horrible place. And I really only had I, – I, I was well-liked. I mean, you know, we were all kind of there together. And, of course, there are not great people. And then, you know, there are uh, amazing people. And I, I was more well-liked. But I really only had two people that I would call, like, really good friends. One of them – I'll use her real name, and, and it's Robin. And, and the reason I'm, I'm comfortable using her real name is that, unfortunately, Robin's not with us anymore. Uh, she she passed a couple years ago, uh, and I learned that from Facebook. I, I we hadn't stayed in touch. Robin was everybody's <laughs> big sister. Um, she she was the, the the person that I would go to if it, you know I had a rough day or and she was that for a lot of people. She kind of you know uh, was was mother mother hen to a lot of us, uh, even though she was only a couple years older than us. Um, Really wonderful, loving person. Very, very hippie-ish. Uh, it was hard not to like Robin. And, uh, you know, there are <laughs> plenty of stories I could tell about Robin, but that's not what this this one is. The other person that was a true friend was someone that I'm going to call Wendy. Now, Wendy's not her real name, uh, but she luckily, and you'll understand sort of the tongue-in-cheek uh, use of the word luckily there later. Luckily, Ra, uh, uh, Wendy is still with us. And so I'm not comfortable using her real name because I don't know how much about this she's open with. Um, and we're friends on Facebook. And so if I said her real name, you know, maybe one of you sluice is going to, I don't know. But but for her protection, I'm going to call her Wendy. And I call her that because I actually wrote this story a couple years ago. And I called her that when I wrote this Um and since then, she's been in my mind as Wendy. So Wendy was like a little sister to me. <laughs> she um, she got to, to Austin Riggs a couple days after me. And um, when you first check into Austin Riggs, everybody, when they first get, get there, lives in this big house. It's an old house. And 
some people stay there their entire time. Other people graduate to other properties and then day, you know, apartments or whatever. Well, everybody, when they first gets there, lives in the same wing. It's this far back wing, tiny rooms. And then eventually you graduate to bigger rooms. Well, because Wendy got there a couple days after me, she was two doors down from me. There was nobody in between. And we were the only two people on the wing at the time. And immediately we took to each other. You know, she, um, and not in a romantic way, by the way, there was only four things you couldn't do at Austin Riggs. You couldn't, you, there was no fucking fighting, drinking or smoking or drugs. Those were the four things you couldn't do. And we just took to each other as friends. Uh, she, she was also from farther away. Uh, this was in the Berkshires. As I said, I was from Cincinnati, Ohio. She was from Arizona and, um, we were both far from home and we just, we bonded, uh, and quickly we sort of were inseparable, you know, um, she, she didn't have, she was not very, she was shy, I think is the best way to put it. It wasn't that she wasn't outgoing. She was just shy and she, um, didn't have a lot of friends. And so we, we became very close and, you know, it was the kind of thing where we ate together. It, it, to help you understand being in a place like this is a little like camp, you know, everybody, um, there's a lot of downtime and there's a lot of structured time and, and, and if there's clicks, there's, um, you know, you, you sit with your friends at, at meals, you, you go do things with your friends, um, which includes if you, if you can find somebody with a car, um, which I had the last, uh, month and a half or so that I was there, that, that meant leaving the, 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 the ground to go do stuff. And, um, Wendy and I were like that and with other people, you know, she would, we would all hang out, but, but like Wendy and I were tight and, um, you know, she was, was, was struggling the same way that a lot of us was. Now she was, she had a diagnosis similar to mine. Um, I don't remember her exact di diagnosis, but, uh, she was struggling with some kind of a mood disorder. Uh, unlike myself, uh, hers was not a misdiagnosis, you know, um, but a, a truly wonderful person, a very kind person, a very kind soul. The, 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 the most important night I think, uh, of my time there, uh, is the night that I'm going to talk about the second most important was the night that Robin Williams released his, what would become his last stand up special. Now, obviously we didn't know it at the time. Um, you know, this was 2009. He didn't pass away for another five, six years. So we didn't know at the time this would be his last special, but it was. And, uh, I and Wendy and a couple other people pe petitioned the, the Austin Riggs to let us, um, have a room. They, they had a couple of like theater rooms in the basement and also to, to splurge for, to, to buy this special on HBO. And we all sat around. There's probably 20 of us in this room, in this, you know, basement room watching this. And it was a beautiful night because Robin was a, was a hero to so many of us. You know, here's a guy who struggled with his mental health, who struggled with substance misuse, um, was open about it, had fought it. And at the time was winning, you know, and, and obviously that narrative changed a little bit later, but he's still my hero. And, and, you know, I've got, uh, <laughs> this is a dedication to Robin Williams back behind where my camera is right now. I'm looking, I have a mini shrine to Robin Williams, big fan, uh, still my hero. So that night was like the happiest I ever saw when, you know, all of us were together. Um, 
in this basement room watching Robin and, and we saw ourselves in the, on the screen and, and that can't be minimized. You know, there, he talked about this stuff and this was, this was a 2009, you know, this is, this is 12 years ago. We're still fighting to get people to talk about this and Robin was open with it. So we loved him for that. That was probably late October, early November, something like that. Well, as is the case um, with places like this, I actually got to move out of that wing and into James Taylor's room. And and even though Wendy and I weren't two hours down from each other, we were still very close. She helped me decorate my new room. And uh, we still saw each other all the time, ate at meals and all that kind of stuff. Well... The holiday season comes, it's probably, you know, I'm going to guess like the 18th, 19th, somewhere around there, of December of 2009. And um, I hadn't noticed anything down with Wendy. I wish, I've, I've thought about this many times since, and I hadn't noticed anything down. Um, but we went to, we went shopping together. Like I said, I had a car by this point, And we went a town over to Target, Walmart, something like that. I don't, I don't remember where it was. And we're pulling up to the store, and Wendy says to me, do you mind not walking around with me at the store? And and I immediately thought it was weird because, like I said, we were inseparable. We did everything together. But then that little voice in my head was like, well, maybe she's buying a present for you. It is the holiday season. I was going to get her a present, so that made sense. Uh, so I said, sure. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, and we, we did our we did our own thing. And, um, when I was done shopping, I, I, I still have this distinct memory of finishing my shopping and, um, I'm, I'm checking out and I look up and she's sitting by the door and like has her bag clutched tightly. Um, and again, I didn't think much of this. I, I, it didn't, nothing occurred to me. So we get in the car and Wendy won't show me anything that she bought. And again, I'm like, okay, this is weird, but maybe there's a big present in there for me and she doesn't want me to see it. And, and so I brushed it off, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't push. So we, we go back and it's late afternoon. And, and if you've never been in the Berkshires in December, it is snowy as you can imagine, you know? And so nobody's, everyone's indoors and, and. Uh, so there wasn't a chance to like go anywhere. We weren't going to walk down the street, go to a different restaurant for dinner or something like that, which we did on occasion. I come down for dinner and Wendy's not there. And, uh, I'm getting worried now, you know, now I'm, now I'm concerned. So I eat with the rest of our friends, uh, sitting with Robin. I remember this and I, I, I might've even said, you know, I'm worried about this. So I hang out and Wendy doesn't show up. So after dinner, waiting, I'm waiting, she doesn't show up. And uh, we go up for med time. As you can imagine, med time is mandatory. Uh, there is no skipping med time. Now, I learned that night, if you do, nothing happens. <laughs> Um, because Wendy skipped it and I was sitting, I was like sitting, uh, so, so meds were in this, this sort of 
it's a hallway, but it was sort of a little landing area with some couches. And I just sat there and waited. And she didn't come. So after meds, it's probably by this point, 9.30, 10. I, uh, I walked down the hall to my old hallway where Wendy still was the only person on this hall. And uh, I knocked on her door. And I, very meekly from inside, she's like, who is it? And I was like, hey, it's, it's Jay. And she's like, she told me to go away. <laughs> now I know something is up. So I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. So I sit down and, uh, I sit with my, with my, my, my back against the, the door frame. And I just talked to her, you know, I don't remember anything that I said that night. I don't remember anything at all. Uh, a couple years ago when I was telling this and other things about this period to a therapist, she diagnosed me with PTSD and said I had repressed memories. I, look, she's a professional. She says so. But I don't think so. I think uh, when you're on as much, <laughs> when you're on as many drugs as I was on at the time, it's normal to forget some things. Uh, not to say that there aren't parts of this that I have intentionally been like and gone, you know, um, but I don't remember anything from that night. Anything specific. I do remember after about an hour, I tried her doorknob and it, and it was unlocked. It had been locked before. So I go inside and um, she's kind of huddled in a ball on the bed and I sit down in a chair. Just keep talking. Uh, she didn't respond much, uh, but I'm just talking, you know. And an hour later, maybe I... I get up and I sit down on the bed next to her and keep talking. And eventually I put my arm around her. And finally, uh, finally I said to her, like, look, <laughs> Wendy, you know, I'm not going to let you do this. Right. Um, and you know, I, I guess at that point she had come to terms with the fact that she wasn't going to kill herself that night. So she said, I know, um, and you know, we, we, we talked for a while and we both, you know, by this point, we're both, a lot of tears are being shed and, uh, probably another half an hour. We're going on hour three at this point where I finally was like, will you let me take you, uh, down to the nurse's station? And she fought it for a little bit. Uh, but eventually, you know, like I said, she had come to terms with the fact that, it, 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 you know, she wasn't going to kill herself. So it wasn't going to happen that night. I, 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 it, I wasn't going to let it. So she said, okay. Uh, so I, I, I physically held her by the wrist like a child and walked her to the nurse's station because I was, <laughs> I was not going to let go of her. You know, it, it, it was very much this physical I am literally physically saving your life tonight, you know? So I, I walk her to the nurse's station and luckily for Wendy, the nicest nurse, this older woman, very clearly an old hippie, you know, wore Birkenstocks long. It just, you had to know her, but long, you know, very much an old hippie was on, was on duty that night. 
And I told her, I was like, hey, uh, Wendy has something she wants to tell you. And Wendy told her that, you know, what, what was going on. And what they do in that circumstance is uh, there's a room, a bedroom, uh, right across from the nurse's station that was just a bed. And, like, the door wouldn't – the door, like – I like remember it being like a half door kind of thing. It might have just been like the door didn't lock. I don't know. Uh, but Wendy had to go in there and um, she called the, the – they had an agreement with the lockdown unit in the in the hospital uh, a town over. And they call, she called her, them and the ambulance came and, and took Wendy away. So two aftermaths of that story. Uh, the first is I went to go see Wendy a couple days later in the in the lockdown unit. Um, her parents were with her, and the joy that they had when they saw me was like startling. Um, they were so thankful. Wendy had obviously told them what had happened. They were so thankful uh, for what I had done, and it was it was sweet. But also, I couldn't understand, and this is the other, <laughs> the other direction of this. I couldn't understand why they weren't as furious as I was. Because here I was at a place that was supposedly one of the finest mental institutions in the country. A place that people literally mortgage their house to send their loved ones. And I'm using that word correctly because somebody I was in there with told me that his family mortgaged their house to send him there. And yet, if it hadn't been for me, Wendy would be dead. And I was furious. Now, what made this even worse was that in the time I was there, multiple people had already died by suicide. Um, I actually talked to somebody that I was there with about two years ago, and our recollections differ. She remembers there being two people during the time I was there. I remember four. Either way, there were at least two people that killed themselves while I was there. I remember four. I'm going to go with four. And it should it would have been more if it it would have been more because it would have been Wendy if it wasn't for me. And I was furious. I'm not a therapist. I'm still not. <laughs> Twelve years later, I have my undergraduate, all these certifications. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a nurse. I'm nothing. I was just a person who cared, and I saved her life. <laughs> We, when it comes to suicide awareness, we hear a lot from people like myself who have survived suicide attempts. We hear a lot from family members of people and loved ones, from people who have lost their lives to suicide. What we don't hear from enough, and this is why I'm telling this story tonight, what we don't hear from enough is someone who has stopped a person from committing suicide because, again, as someone who has lost people, as someone who has lived through it themselves, this is the most painful one. 
there's no answer to this one. There's no answer. There's no comfort. There's no, well, at least they're not in pain anymore, which is what we say about people who, who take their own life. There's no redemption uh, that, that, you know, my story has, right? I'm 12 years later, I'm doing all this, you know? I'm so thankful I survived. We don't have that in this story. I'm sure Wendy is thankful she survived. But there's no tying things up in a neat little bow that a terrified... <laughs> A terrified 23-year-old had to stop someone from killing themselves in what is supposed to be the finest mental institution in this country. There is no perfect ending. And that story needs to be heard more. That's why I'm telling the story tonight. So, the literal immediate aftermath of that story. Wendy is in the lockdown unit. And uh, the next day, I started the process of getting out of there. It took me like another week. Um, obviously, I had to figure out where I was going to go. And uh, all of you who know my story know that that means going to live with my grandmother. Uh, and, and that this begins the story I was going to tell tonight of leaving this place. That obviously you'll hear on a rock bottom storytellers at some point. Uh, because if this story isn't heartbreaking enough, as, as they say, but wait, there's more. <laughs> uh, but here was the hardest part. After she, this all happened, everybody, obviously the story gets out. Everyone is, um, you know, very much like Jay, it's amazing what you did, but there's not enough people willing to go. What the fuck went wrong here? So when you leave a place like that, I, I don't know if this is still the truth. I hope it's not. When I was there, it was. You have to go. <laughs> if you've ever seen the movie One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest, when everybody sits around in a circle and just tears somebody apart, that is literally what I went through. And that is a story for another day. Uh, listen to me on um, the on the, the uh, Courage to Change podcast with Ashley Lowe Blasting Game. Listen to her on mine. We talk about how we went, both went through this and how absurd this is. But that happened to me. And, and the only time that I was the center of that attention was the day that I decided to leave. What happens is uh, I was there against my will, but I wasn't court ordered. So I was allowed to check myself out. But the process for doing so is you had to go in front of this group, which is hundreds of people you know we're talking every uh patient there every, every therapist every clinician in a room beautiful day room by the way beautiful room all of them ganging up on you and this is where i bring robin back into the story because i could not have done this without robin she was my rock that day i told her what i was gonna do I uh, told her why I was so angry. She agreed with me. She supported me. And she, Robin never went to these because she did not believe in them. She she couldn't do it. And and I felt that. Uh, I almost got thrown out of this place because one day I was so fed up with this one guy picking on someone. I don't even remember who it was. 
but it was someone who couldn't defend themselves. And I got in his face, and if somebody hadn't grabbed me, I would have knocked him the fuck out. And that would have been it for me, which is probably would have been a good thing. But um, I get it. Like, this, this place was awful. And Robin went with me. She never went, but she went with me to just sit there so that when... <laughs> So that when I couldn't do it, I would know she was there. And uh, I did it. <laughs> I, I stood down a therapist, a grown fucking woman, looking me in the eyes as a scared, angry 23-year-old telling me that I was a fucking idiot and I was throwing my life away. Because that's the shit that they did to you in this place. I stared her down when she did it. And I said, fine, you can have that opinion. I'm still leaving. And I was allowed to leave. And it wouldn't have happened except for Robin and Wendy. So I left and I happened to go to Arizona because that's where my grandmother was and that's where Wendy was from. And we hung out a couple times after that, actually. Um, you know, it wasn't the same. Obviously, we weren't locked together in a mental institution. But we were still friendly, and we've lost touch over the years. And, you know, I check up on her on Facebook every now and then. But um, that is my story of Wendy. And I hope, if you're hearing this, whether you're watching live right now, and I again, I have no idea how many people are on this, but uh, whether you're watching live or you're going to hear this later, uh, watching it live or, or listen as a special episode when this comes out on the podcast, a couple of things. That's a story I don't tell that often. Um, I've only told it, like I said, a couple of times. But it's a story that a lot of people have. Because this shit is way more common than you think. I am very open about my own attempts at suicide. I'm very open about my own overdose. But uh, I am the extreme minority. And... That is why people who do this work, that's why people like fucking Robin Williams are so goddamn important. Because for every person like me who is willing to do this, there's, I don't fucking know, 10, 20, 30 people who aren't. So, <laughs> we've made amazing progress on this over the last while. You know, I, I, I don't know. We've made amazing progress, but we are nowhere near where we need to be. And that's why I do this. That's what Choose Your Struggle comes from. Two things, two goals. End stigma and promote honest and fact-based education around mental health, substance misuse and recovery, and drug use and policy. Because once this stigma is down... And, 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 you know, you can't hate up close. That's, that's the ending of the stigma part. You cannot hear this story. You cannot see me standing here crying, telling you about how I had to fucking save someone's life and still think you know better. You can't. You, can. you cannot. And if you still do, uh, you are the goddamn Grinch. <laughs> but once you have that stigma down, what are you going to do with it? You have to right these wrongs. We have been led. We have been misled. Intentionally and unintentionally for far too long. Because we haven't given room 
for people with lived experience to be at the table. So next time you are at an event, a conference, and every single person there has letters after their name, know who's not there. And that's people like me, people who've actually been through this shit. People like Wendy, people like Robin. Our stories are the ones that don't, don't get told because we're too busy listening to the research. We need all that research because without it, we're not making any progress. But that door cannot close after them. That's all I got. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And reach out. I, I, I say this every time I speak to two, to two things. Number one, I want to hear from you because I want to know if this resonates. I want to know what you like, what you don't like. But also, if you are struggling and you hear this, those of us who do this, those of us who actually care about this, we have a saying. <laughs> We'd rather spend two hours listening to you today than two hours at your funeral tomorrow. You should notice that in that story, I, there's two incredible women, one of whom is gone. And I'm lucky because she knew how much she meant to me. But I don't get the opportunity to tell her time and again. So reach out. Choose your struggle. Hey, y'all. It's me, your host. I'm sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a fantastic episode of the podcast, but I have to give a quick shout out to my partner, Roadrunner CBD. They have been working with me for a while now, and I just love their products. They have everything from tinctures to muscle gels, and all of them are fantastic. You know, I rub the muscle gel on my legs before I run, and they keep me feeling pretty good, which is saying something. So check out Roadrunner today at their website, www.roadrunnercbd.com slash ref, R-E-F slash C-Y-S. Again, that's roadrunnercbd.com slash ref slash C-Y-S. And use the code C-Y-S at checkout to let them know that I sent you and get 10% off. Trust me, you're going to love this. I've sent some of their products to a couple different people, and they've all become repeat customers. So check it out today, and don't forget to let them know that Choose Your Struggle sent you. Find me on social media. Check the link in the show notes or search for me, Jay Schiffman, on YouTube and LinkedIn, and Choose Your Struggle on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, we've come to the end of another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that story. It was hard to tell and probably hard to hear, but I, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I hope that you, you stuck around and listened. Uh, obviously, if you're hearing this, you did. And, um, you know, the, the, the good egg that comes from that is pretty simple. Check on your friends, tell them you love them, let them know you're there for them. You know, uh, I, I, as I said on this, I couldn't have got through that without my friend Robin in in that moment and you know Wendy wouldn't have made it if it wasn't for me so uh there are a couple different moments where friendship was key there so definitely uh that's your your number one good egg is check on your friends number two uh, much less uh important but try out the new pod and box uh, I definitely want to hear from you let me know what you thought of this let me know what you think of the the episode somebody reached out just today and said how can I support you more uh well here's one way let me know give me some feedback try out the new pot inbox
I'm getting out the cards. We're going to use 54 Reasons Why You Matter, obviously, in honor of Wendy and this story. Uh, so thank you, Blurt, as always. There are the cards. Ah, wow, this, this works. Because you've gotten through tough times before, and you absolutely will again. Yeah, I mean, that's perfect for this episode, right? That That's, that's kind of the message here is that... Um, you know, it definitely can feel like at times uh, that, that it's not going to get better. This is something I was coaching over the weekend and for a, for a large group, and this is something I was imparting on them is one of the reasons I do the daily review every evening where I think about my day for 30 seconds and give it a rating, um, not just for the moment of mindfulness, but so that when I'm stuck in a depressive moment, I can look back at this and say, you know... Um, it's been tough before, but clearly things are mostly good with some with some bad, and I can get through this too. So uh, it's very important to keep that mindset. Uh, but above all else, as always, be vulnerable, show your empathy, spread your love, and choose your struggle. The Choose Your Struggle podcast has been so lucky to have numerous truly change-making authors on this show. From Adi Jaffe to Emily Dufton, we have been blessed by hearing them speak, and now it's time to grab their works. Now, you could go to Amazon if you wanted to shop online, but let's be honest, that's not the right choice. So I'm going to invite you to head over to my partner, Bookshop. If you go to bookshop.org slash shop slash CYS, again, that's bookshop.org slash shop slash CYS, you're going to find all of your favorite books and you're going to support the podcast in the process. But that's not even the best part. Bookshop has an incredible program that allows you to select your favorite mom and pop or neighborhood bookstore and they will give them some of the proceeds from your order. Now, living here in Philly, that's been a really hard choice because we have fantastic bookstores all over, but I selected Harriet's, which is a truly wonderful black-owned bookstore in northern Philly. I love it. My wife loves it. We go there as much as we can. Honestly, why would you go anywhere else? So again, go check out Bookshop at bookshop.org shop CYS. You're going to find the book you're looking for. You're going to support your neighborhood bookstore, and you're going to support the podcast in the process. So check it out today and go ahead and buy that book you've been waiting for.